Hey everyone, welcome to the third episode of season three of Dudes of Kung Fu. In this episode, Alex and I uh, deconstruct Buji form. And um, we go into how we break it down, teach it, some of the finer points of it, and hopefully it'll uh, provide a little help, and hopefully this episode will give you a couple of laughs. And every day, I practice martial arts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of... Dudes of Kung Fu. Hey, how are you, Alex? That was awesome. It took, it took you almost a moment there to remember what, what episode and what season we're in. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think I'm, 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 my mind is fried today. I'm having a little bit of an off day. And quite frankly, I'm a little jealous of you down there in sunny freaking Florida and your tank top. And I'm sitting here freezing my nuts off in 20 degree weather. <laughs> well, don't worry. I'll be joining you soon enough. I'm actually flying back from Miami tomorrow just in time to get some pretty heavy snow, I hear. Oh, yeah. They're, they're saying 12 to 18 inches. And, wow, uh, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. No, not at all. Not at all. What, what's but uh, you're also a little bit, well, aren't you also a little tired because you did another podcast earlier today, you told me, right? I did a podcast earlier today with a good friend of mine, Ian, who runs the Empty Cut podcast. It's a, a, a newer JPD podcast, and um, he's, mm. getting, uh, he's getting some nice uh, downloads, and it, it's going well. He's, he's, he's going to be trying to grow that podcast, and he has a, uh, a vlog going as well. And um, cool, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna wish him well and help out with him as much as I can. So uh, yeah, That's I'm, great. I'm a speaking mentally of... fried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, also speaking of downloads, it looks like we just broke eighteen thousand downloads for the dudes of uh, Kung Fu Podcast, which is pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, we're at eighteen thousand seven hundred and change now. So wow, that's great. Yeah, it's really the, the, this podcast is really taken off, and man, we are so grateful to you listeners and um, and all the positive feedback and. We, we, Alex and I are having a lot of fun with this, and uh, we're ha- we are having a lot of fun. Have, yeah, it's 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 fun. I mean, we we enjoy this shit. Yeah, we have like, like you said, we get a lot of positive feedback. We also get negative feedback that we generally ignore. And oh, uh, other than that, <laughs> where's the delete button? <laughs> Speak, speaking of that, actually, one of the things that people complain about, uh, well, some people complain about our podcast is that. We, sometimes we talk about MMA, and then Sean and I have kind of come to the conclusion that we are perhaps the only Wing Chun slash, you know, Sean being a JKD person as well, who actually enjoy MMA. It seems that a lot of Wing Chun people, especially and perhaps some Jeet Kune Do people, tend to have almost like an adversarial relationship with MMA. Like for some reason they feel somewhat threatened by it, or maybe they just don't know about it. But whenever we tend to talk a little bit more about MMA, we always get a bunch of complaints like, Hey, I love the stuff you said about Paxau. Uh, I didn't really get any of the stuff you said about Conor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we were kind of floating the idea of perhaps doing maybe like a monthly podcast, like a Dudes of MMA, where Sean and I just talk about MMA. And then those of you who are interested in that can listen to that podcast. And then hopefully we can also interest some some people from outside of the whole Wing Chun slash JKD world to to listen to us. Over there as well, um, you know, if that's something you guys are interested in, go ahead and let us know. I mean, Sean, what do you think about that idea? I'm loving that idea. I think, and I think we can play it two, two, in two different ways. Um, one of the things we we avoid on this podcast, I don't, I don't think intentionally, but just never comes up, is because we're so Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do specific, we don't talk about other aspects of combat sports. 
So in, we will chat with, say, like the UFC and a Conor McGregor fight coming up. But I think if we had a Dudes on MMA or Dudes of MMA podcast, monthly podcast, we could not only talk about like um, upcoming fights and things to that effect. Maybe, you know, we both trained in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We both have, like, you know, some wrestling. Maybe we could talk a little bit about underhooks and maybe help school some people that are kind of new to MMA or are not familiar with certain things. We can talk a little bit about, you know, at least I know you and I can talk about, you know, guard and, and mount and different, you know, just, I mean, little bit things like that. I think it would help out also. So um, I think the primary focus of it would be UFC and and uh, Bellator and things to that effect. But I think yeah. we could also, you know, expand our fight strategy talks a little bit into MMA. And I think that would be fun. I think, uh, I, think I think that audience would build also. I, th- I think it's right. something we should do if people will listen. Cool. Well, as people know, this is the uh, now third episode of the new season, which this season we have a special format. Uh, so far, we've been taking each episode to discuss one of the forms of Wing Chun. And tonight we're going to talk about the famed beauty form, the third form of Wing Chun. You're not allowed to say that out loud. <laughs> so after you listen to this podcast, we're going to be sending out an agent to kill you because you will know too much. Listen to the podcast and then burn it. <laughs> this this podcast will self-destruct. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be they'll be burning iPhones <laughs> after they listen to it so that it doesn't exist. So um like it will follow basically a similar format that we've done for the Siunam Pao and Chumq uh topics. We're basically we're gonna break it down into about four subtopics and Sean and I will will give our uh, different takes on on what we think about those things and and we'll go from there. And then I guess this means who Next week, we're going to talk about the wooden dummy. Ooh, speak to yourself. Oh, don't you call it the Foshan? Isn't it called the Foshan? The Foshan, right. <laughs> the yeah, I'm going to teach about how the only real wooden dummy is uh, one that spins. You know, the spinning ones, those are really cool. I saw them on. Uh, I saw that one on No Retreat, No Surrender. And I go. realized that that is the only way to train real Wing Chun is that your dummy spins or has 19 arms or, you know, you add an extra head to it or something like that. Um, so we'll, we'll discuss that next week. So as for this week, we're going to get into Wing Chun's third form, Fuji. Now, uh, first subtopic for uh, this year is, you know, kind of like what we discussed with the other ones, what does Fuji mean? The actual words, how do we translate it and so on and so forth. Sean, um, how do you translate the terms Fuji and what do you mean that to mean uh, in some detail? Okay, so I obviously know I barely speak English, so we know I don't speak Chinese. Um, I've always understood Fuji to translate to be uh, thrusting fingers and things or something to, similar to that. However, I can tell you in Muyat Wing Chun, we're taught that although it may not translate it to be, the subtitle for our Buji is Standard Compass. Um, Moyat would refer to Buji as the Standard Compass form. And where he, where that can't, comes from is if you think of a compass, the, uh, the needle on the compass always points north. Regardless of which way you face the compass, turn the compass, anything to that effect, the needle points north. And we look at the we look at Buji form as something that is going to help recover center line and bring your bring your hands back to center, regardless of how you're turned or where you're turned, 
or where your hands are on and off center. So we, we, we again, call Vuji standard compass for that reason, that it, it brings you to, you know, north, making you pointing north, so to speak, uh, hands on center, uh, as a compass would be. Right. Oh, that's interesting. I actually never heard that before. That That's, uh, that's pretty cool. I, li I like when people have, you know, secondary names for things. They have kind of their own take on it. That That's uh, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, for... For us, uh, for those of us from the the WT line, you know, Biuji, we we use quite quite literal translation of Biu in Cantonese, uh, meaning to point or to dart or to shoot. Zi mm -hmm. um, mean actually literally means fingers. Like uh, right. uh, the full term is Saoji. Saoji is fingers. Um, so it's just Biuji, literally pointing fingers or thrusting fingers. Um, Funny thing about that, um, you know, obviously the form is given that name because in in the form we have uh beauty movements and we have a number of movements where the fingers are pointing forward and essentially um with with the exception of the opening two punches and the punches at the end it's mostly an open-handed form in terms of the strikes um which is not unlike the other forms as well but it emphasizes uh, very specific types of open-handed strikes um mainly beauty um sat gang sao uh, the throat cutting hand um some forms of uh fox sao and um Tan, so tan, tan meaning spade. So we have a number of different spade hands, open hands, throw cutting hands, so on and so forth. So this general idea of having your hands open, fingers open, um, and 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 shooting them forward for different aims is a is kind of a very basic literal translation of it. Um, you know, it's funny because I, my book series, if you, the the my first book on the little on the serum title was called the light. Yeah, I wanted to have an English title because I didn't want like another book that had seen him tell somebody goes to Barnes and Nobles and picks up the book. They're like, what the hell is this Chinese food? Right. You know, <laughs> I was like, I, I wanted to have some some title that maybe somebody who didn't know about Wing Chun might at least pick up the book for a second before putting it down and not buying it. So uh, I, I came up with the idea to give them English titles. So the first book that has already come out, The Little Idea. The uh, second book, which we are working on right now about Tamkyu, is called um, Seek the Bridge, right? The problem is I don't know what the hell to call the third form book because thrusting fingers sounds like it might belong in another category of books. You proctology. Know I mean? <laughs> so, when, yeah, proctology or something like that. So it's like shooting fingers? Nah, that doesn't sound better thrusting fingers darting fingers no it sounds like something that it sounds like a video you find behind the curtain in the old video store you know what i mean About so re I, recovering I, the center yeah so i i have i have decided to oh. just call that book the third form oh there you go <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to keep it like keep it on 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 the straight and narrow as far as that goes because i could not find a suitable translation for it in english that just did not sound oddly sexual or disturbing or disgusting in any kind of way <laughs> so uh so yeah so you know quite literal uh you know thrusting or or, or darting fingers so um the second kind of well, subtopic before, yes well i'm sorry before we moved on i just wanted to add one thing mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I should have added before. I, I loved this, and this will make J, JKD people love this. Um, the Wong Shang Lung people, and I got this straight from uh, David Richardson. Dave, David, David, David Peterson. Richardson. Yeah, I know. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm tired today. My apologies to <laughs> Mr. Peterson um, from from some of David Peterson's writings. And, and JKD people are going to love this. He wrote that um, Buji means pointing fingers. 
The name is really a contradic contradiction of expression from the Buddhist sutra, which in Cantonese says, Byuyachi, finger pointing to the moon. Meaning if you only mm. just look at the moon, you will surely miss out on the heavenly glory of the rest of the universe. So look further and expand your horizon. So JKD people are going to know that from Enter the Dragon, when Bruce Lee talks about, you know, don't concentrate on the finger, you'll miss all the heavenly glory. This is an absolute takeoff of what he heard from his friend, Wang Sheng Lung. So wow. Wang Sheng Lung said that this is Wang, this is um, see for Wang Sheng Lung's understanding or translation of Buji as it's Bu mm -hmm. um, finger yeah. pointing to the moon, and that um, right. and and that's where Bruce Lee got the whole idea of don't concentrate on the finger, you miss all the heavenly glory from Wang Sheng Lung's wow. understanding of the third form. Wow, you were able to put a pop culture reference in tonight's podcast. Check I'm very me out, impressed man, with you, huh? Sean. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah, great. That, that's that's. Uh, I've not, I, I actually I do remember reading that. I have to go back and double check what the uh, Chinese character was. But it's, uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, it, it's you know part of the difficulty uh, with Wing Chun is that unlike many of the uh, traditional Chinese martial arts, uh, particularly those southern, a lot of southern systems, they have uh, oftentimes have very um, fanciful names, um, you know, like, like, uh, uh, Mangfu Hasan, like the fierce dragon comes, or no, sorry, the fierce tiger comes down from the mountain, right? So a lot of the techniques from certain styles, that and that's actually, card. yeah, and actually that's a legit martial arts form, by the way. Um, yet a lot of the, uh, traditional Chinese martial arts tend to have very fanciful names. And part of that has to do with the time period from which it came, where um, a lot of these techniques were very mystified because if you had mastered them, the idea was that you could really use them to, you know, put somebody out. So they had these amazing names, uh, you know, like like um, with tigers and dragons in them. And, you know, some people even, you know, I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, it's like the, um, I think in the Pangnam system, he actually does like a, a two-fingered, Buji on the wooden dummy, which is called like the, you know, the poisonous snake ex shoots venom or something like that. And you can tell the older strains of traditional Chinese martial arts. That could be the that name of your third book. Poisonous snake shoots <laughs> me, shooting his venom. Damn. That that still sounds like it belongs in the adult video section, man. See, nothing that you can come up with sounds any like sounds any more legit than like the third form. So I'm I totally rested on that one. Um, <laughs> So, so the interesting thing is a lot of the other uh, Chinese martial arts have these extremely fanciful names. And if you look at the older strains of even of Wing Chun, um, when you look at the old Siu Lin Tao, like if you uh, read the stuff that Jim Rosalando wrote in my Siu Lin Tao book, um, a lot of the names of the movements were a lot more fanciful than what we have now. And mm. Wing Chun techniques are extremely uh, straightforward in terms of their use, which is why even within the same family, you may um, have different family members, for example, in Hong Kong that use different terminology for the same things. So um, because they're just describing the action or the movement that's being done as opposed to describing a fixed position. So literally, pak sao means to, to uh, I mean, if you go up to a person who doesn't know Wing Chun, but they're a Chinese person, right? And you, uh, someone who speaks Cantonese and, and you ask them, what does pak sao mean? They would clap their hands together like giving an applause because that's actually the common term for giving an applause is clapping. So it's literally the sound that's made by clapping. So Paxo 
is quite literally slapping hands, right? right, 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 and, right. And, and so as a result, some of our movements, the names of them and the names of the forms are so utilitarian that um, sometimes the, people tend to overly mystify them because they almost can't accept that uh, it might actually just be a really simple meaning. And so they, they want to come up with these things that are like a lot more profound or whatever. And those meanings may be embedded into the system, but the name of the movement is literally just slapping hand. Just mm -hmm. taking your hand and slap, right? So, you know, that's what it means, you know? <laughs> so, like, that's it, right? And, and, and so it's, it's interesting. It's always important when we discuss these things to, to understand what the, the deeper meaning may be in terms of the context of the martial art, but sometimes not to over uh, um, kind of uh, demonstrate what we believe these things to mean because I, I believe at some point Wing Chun took made a drastic change from using these very fanciful names to using something that was extremely straightforward and practical. And that's from the very beginning of the system, you know, all the way to the advanced stuff. I mean, uh, some of the names of the movements, even in the knife form, which we'll discuss when we do the knife podcast, they're just like the, the, like the, the cross knife in character 10, which is in the eighth set. It, it looks like the Chinese number 10, which is a cross. So it's literally just called the number 10 knives. <laughs> like, right. it, because why? Because it looks like the number 10. Right? Yeah. And, then, and then we have this, this one movement in, in, the, uh, in the seventh set where the knife goes up and the other one comes down like this. And it looks like part of the Chinese character for six. So it's just called the character six knives. <laughs> like, so right, right, right. It, it doesn't, it, it's, it's not like the, you know, the, the destroying knife position or something <laughs> like that. So, uh, yeah, so that's always something to be mindful of when we think about the names of these movements is that sometimes they may actually be a lot simpler than we want them to be. Um, the, the, next, the next thing I guess we want to discuss is there's a, there's a fa famous saying, and this goes for most of the schools of uh, Yip Man Wing Chun, and it's Biuji Bat Chut Moon. Biuji Bat Moon or Biuji Moon if you're using more informal speak, which literally means the Biuji does not leave the door or Biuji does not leave the gate. Now, many people have uh, a pretty similar take on what this means, but sometimes there's some some variations on that. So, have you heard this this saying before? And what do you what do you think of it? I, I have, yeah, I've heard it, and my take on it um, is that okay. So, in my understanding of the forms and and how they relate to the, relate to the system, and I've said it on the podcast many times, right? So, you learn something in 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 the first form. You learn to move it in the second form. You learn to recover it in the third form. So Buji, in my eyes, is the recovery form, right? It's for recovering center, recovering structure, um, recovering balance, or recover, just recovering control, any kind of anything you've lost through uh, the performance of the fight. And I think that if you look at Buji and you're an experienced martial artist, you can see that in the design of the form, you could see where it was, it was, it was looked at in a way that, okay, Wing Chun people, if they make a mistake, are going to make a mistake with this and need this to recover. So it kind of points out, not flaws within the system, but it, it points out common errors that Wing Chun people make when they get into a problem in a fight. So if someone was hyper analytical and a little bit anal, 
they could look they could look at the idea of the third form and say hey if i examine this form i could see how to beat wing chun people i don't believe that to be true but i think i believe that to be the thought process behind it that if you examine the third form you can kind of come to come to un, come to an understanding of where do wing chun people need help in learning to recover so you can see that you know wing chun people when they do this need to recover center this way uh, the form teaches you certain things that uh, Wing Chun people do not wrong, but when, when, when they make a mistake, they tend to make these mistakes, and they need the, 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 the lessons of the third form to recover them. And that, that could be a lesson plan on how to beat Wing Chun. So that there's this idea of don't let this form leave the doorway because you're telling people how to beat us. And that, that's my take on it. Right. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think whether you believe that um, the Buji form is kind of the blueprint for how to defeat Wing Chun people or you believe that Buji is like a collection of very special techniques that Buji that Wing Chun practitioners may use to defeat other opponents. Either way, there's something about the Buji that the founders don't want to give out. They don't want to teach it openly. Right. So generally, the Buji was only taught to. Uh, you know, relatively loyal students. And, you know, nowadays people can, can go on YouTube and teach themselves the Buji form, whether they're actually a student of somebody or not. And in the why, old days... Why not? They, they teach themselves the rest of the forms. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You, you know, uh, you know, they can easily see it, you know, but not, so that's obviously taken away some of the mystique. But um, there's definitely some things in the Buji that are meant to counter, um, not just certain things that other styles may do or whatever, but also to counter other Wing Chun. So that if somebody knew the Buji, they could, in certain situations, have the upper hand over somebody who did not know the Buji. Even somebody who just did Sunum Town Chumkyu, and if they were very strong in applying those movements, somebody who had Buji could have an answer to get out of a situation that somebody who's maybe bigger and stronger than them can put them in. Um, the, the Buji, generally, as it's taught in, in most WT streams, uh, they don't use the word emergency situations. This is something that you hear in, uh, in, in a lot of the other Wing Chun lineages. It's not something that Leung Cheng really uses. Um, we'll actually get to this a little bit later. That's one of the other subtopics I had for tonight. Um, so I don't want to go too much into that, but there, there are basically two things that um, the Buji form that I teach and the applications that are uh, there in kind of school. And one is what we call rapid resolution, right? <laughs> Meaning that... Uh, if, if, you know, if you punch somebody in the face full power and they're a strong dude or whatever, they might be able to take a, a very hard punch to the jaw or something like that. But if you, if you really crack someone run right on the neck, like, like that famous video in the military where that guy was standing there and he asked the other guy to give him that chop on the neck and he just chopped them and the guy just dropped, right? So there, right. there's certain – and I'm not – and that has nothing to do with disabling pressure points and that has nothing to do with – you know, any kind of hocus pocus or whatever. It's just there's certain ways that you can hit somebody on the body, namely ways that are mostly illegal in MMA <laughs> that uh, could give you the upper hand if you were in a situation where you, you had to hit this guy at least hard enough to stun this guy to get out of there. You might not be able to beat this guy down, but you could hit this guy in a certain way that could at least stop them and you could run, right? So that's what we call rapid resolution. There's certain ways of doing elbow strikes and there's certain ways of hitting someone in the throat or certain odd angle punches that we may need to use um, that could give us 
the advantage, especially if we have the element of surprise on our side. So this is kind of, in, at least in the WT approach, this kind of one-shot, go-in, kind of finish-the-guy kind of idea in Buji. On the other side of the, the coin, we have all the stuff that you would need if you lose position or need to recover, which is somewhat similar to what you were talking about before. If you're put in certain situations where you're off angle or your hand's in the wrong place or something like this, how do you recover and get back to doing what you want to do? Um, how do you fight from some strange side-on positions and things that are um, perhaps a bit atypical for standard Wing Chun? So we don't like to call it... I don't I sometimes use the term emergency situations because that's the general term that's bantied about by many of the other Wing Chun people. But I actually hate that term for a certain situation because for, for a certain reason. And the reason is this if anybody's ever been in a situation where they need to defend themselves, it's always an emergency. Yeah, it's always an emergency. I don't I yeah, I, I don't care how calm and cool and collected you are. All right. You might even be a bouncer. I mean, you may even legitimately work as a bouncer that has to knock people out on a regular basis. And when somebody steps to your face, you know, your heart doesn't even skip a beat. I mean, you could be even that hardened dude, but the moment something's on, I mean, there's something that kicks in. This is, you, you, you are essentially in an emergency because any fight could easily go south very quickly. You could even just fall backwards and land on your head on the sidewalk. And that is like the end of you, you know what right. I mean? So to, to deem certain situations in a real fight, as like non-emergency and other situations as emergency, I find that's an extremely superfluous and ridiculous distinction, 100% right? 100% agree, because there's nobody who's going to sit there and say, okay, let me fight him with my Sinem Dao and Chun Q techniques first. If this doesn't work, <laughs> I will resort to my emergency techniques if needed. No, let exactly, me knock the exactly. motherfucker out real quick. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yes, exactly. So, so I, you know, sometimes I refer to like emergency uh, situations or whatever, just because that that seems to be the the running term that Wing Chun people are using. And I think we are all somewhat in agreement what that means. Although purely speaking, I think it's actually kind of stupid. I think every fight's an emergency situation. What I mean by that, and perhaps the better term is how to fight from compromised positions. Right. So, um, so basically, it, it, the reason why the Buji is not given out openly, at least the, on the WT side of things, is that they teach two very important things that, that would give you an advantage over either bigger, stronger attackers or another Wing Chun person who may not know this stuff. And that is the ability to end the fight a little bit more quickly or to get out of compromised position. So that's why we sometimes say the Buji doesn't leave the door. You know, going along with what Alex just said, um, I remember when I learned Buji from my Sifu, the, uh, I remember asking the question, Alex, forgive me if I use the wrong term for the movement, but I'm sure no you problem. correct me. The, um, I always just call it a shifting Fuxiao, so you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about, okay? Yes. And then you come back, and I remember saying to my Sifu, like, what's the deal with wanting to do this? Like, because I saw so many people looking for reasons, to, looking for ways to use it, like opening up a door to come in all this kind of you know looking for a reason to have this shifting fuxiao and then come back we come back with wusa i don't know what you come back with but um and he said to me that moyat explained it to him as this wasn't the movement you were you know although yes it could be used but this wasn't the lesson moyat said the lesson was the recovery 
that when you're getting shifted, if you're turned, this idea of, you know, the connecting the hip, the elbow, and the wrist to get back to center is the recovery. And then when people look at Buji, I've even gotten this question from people that I talk to, like, you know, they'll say, well, why do I come out wide? Why do I come out here when I should be staying on center? And I, and I, and I use that, that what, what Moyak told my Sifu is that the, oftentimes the lesson in, 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 in Wing Chun, in, in Buji, is not the initial move, it's the recovery from the initial move. You have to keep in mind that it's a recovery form. So it will put you in a bad position to teach you how to recover from, the, from that bad position. Um, and one of the examples, if you don't mind me continue talking here, is the, in, in, the in the first section when you do the um, shifting the, the elbows. And you're mm-hmm. shifting the elbows. That I, I've had people say to me, oh, I don't like that because I feel off balance. Well, that's a good thing because you should be learning how to shift like that without getting off balance. And if you are turning and feel yourself getting off balance, the lessons from doing that will teach you how to recover your balance while moving. You know, that when people change the form, because that section makes them feel off balance, I kind of feel like they're hurting themselves. Because they, so like they'll say, okay, instead of doing that full turn, because they feel off balance, they do a three-quarter turn. I perfectly understand why. Because you feel more secure in doing that. But you're losing out on the understanding of the lesson of how to recover from that unbalancing. That that shift, if you're getting unbalanced, is teaching you, you need to work on your balance. You, you're not doing something correctly, which you're shifting. You know, your elbows are not seated wrong. You're, you're, whatever the reason is, you're not doing something right. And that shifting that, in that first part of the form, one of the many lessons is, hey, are you able to shift without losing your balance? If not, you need to recover. And, and, and there's important lessons here that people, I think, don't see. And... Um, Anyway, so so my, my going back to my initial thought process on this is when you look at Buji, if something makes you feel uncomfortable, it makes you feel uncomfortable for a good reason. It's teaching you how to recover from it. If you don't like something bringing you off center, it's bringing you off center so you learn how to recover center from it. Sure. Well, that makes a lot of that. sense. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> no, that makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, you, you know, you're totally right. Sometimes people always look at certain beginning positions and then wonder why are you here? Why do you go there? And they don't realize that the transition between positions or how you go from here back to the middle or whatever may actually be the lesson. And they're, they're looking for all these kind of concocted reasons. And also to, to go to your point about, you know, somebody who says, Oh, I feel off balance when I do the elbow. So I'm going to change it. Well, it's kind of funny that, you know, people will suck at something. And the first thing, they, they do is they blame the style and they don't blame their own incompetency or their own lack of ability in doing something. It's like, well, there's clearly been a line of people who've been doing this. Now, I'm not saying that tradition is any particular reason why something should never change. Because although I teach a traditional martial art, I, I'm not one of these overly conservative guys who can't look outside of their own field of vision, right? But, you, you know, it's like I, I tell my students sometimes, when, especially when they're learning something for the first time, they learn some maneuver in cheese hour. They learn some fighting technique or some position or something like that. And they're going like, you know, I don't feel like, um, like I don't feel comfortable in this situation or I don't feel like I'm, um, I can do it. And, and then I show them and I demonstrate a couple of times and they can see that I can do it. And I can do it when the guy comes at me with power and I can do it when the guy resists. 
and I show them so they see that it's possible. And then they're like, oh, but I can't do it yet. And then I just remind them, oh, how many how many reps do you have in this thing that I just showed you three minutes ago? Right. You know, and, and then and then they kind of chuckle. And I, and I remind them that, you know, when I started learning it, I was also in the same position they were in. And nobody gave me the Kung Fu and the fact that I'm demonstrating it now doesn't mean that that's the way it looked like the day I learned it. Right. <laughs> I put a lot of time into it. So yeah, a week. It, I can show them that, yes, a week, a full week, <laughs> <laughs> seven days, not a work week, seven days. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> so they see that I can do it. And, and then so sometimes you have to remind people that they forget the, 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 what the term Kung Fu means. Right. They sometimes think that we're just giving them products and they're trying on products like they're trying on a new you know, th therapeutic shoe insole or something like that. And like, oh, I don't like it. It's not comfortable. You know, it's like Kung Fu is not like that. And, and if you're going to follow a methodology, you have to follow it to the end before you really have a chance to um, criticize it with any kind of, uh, with any kind of meaning, you know, and there are people like, Oh, I don't like the shifting. And well, I mean, I don't have this problem because I'm, I'm teaching my students from, I don't teach out, random outsiders the Buji. So the guys who are learning from me, they, they, they get it and they're super excited to learn Buji. But I, I, I know from, from your experience, from what you've told me and from what I've heard other instructors say, you know, it's just like, oh, well, uh, I, I don't like this, so I'm going to go use this thing from someone else's form. It's like, right. uh, good, good luck with that. You know, I, that's, I, tend that's, to, I, I tend to equate what, what, what you just said was awesome and what i tend to equate what what we do when i'm teaching people if you, you think it outside of the martial arts realm and you look at like say um if you go into a gym a place that i should be going to do more often if you go to if you go to the gym and you find some bodybuilder guy or some fitness guru or something to that effect and you say hey teach me and you do a week's worth of training with him every day and you're working hard and you say, well, how come I don't have muscles like you? Right. How come I can't do this high box jump like you can do? And he says, well, I'm doing this seven years and you're at it a week. So right. you may not have the muscle size that I have or the athletic ability I have. But what you do have is you're a week better than you were last week. Right. And that's how, to me, that's Kung Fu. And that's how I think martial artists have to look at what they're doing that they may not be able to do something as well as their sifu or their sihings or even people of the same rank for them because you're not in competition with anybody else other than yourself you have to look at hey i may not be great but i'm better than i was yesterday but i'm not as good as i'll be tomorrow and what alex was just saying is it's the same you know it's the same thing with the way he's teaching the kung fu the kung fu listen to me like the google um the, the Facebook. The Facebook, you know. You, 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 you've officially become 60 years old in one podcast. Uh, you know, I'm turning 52 next week. Oh, my God. But um, you have to understand that it's, it's, a, it's a progression. And it's, it's not a product. As, oh, jeez, look at this. Who's got a house phone now, motherfucker? You made fun of me in episode <laughs> That's two. Right. Season well, three, right. episode two. You made fun of me, and now, motherfucker, I'm making fun of you. I hope I hear an answer machine, too. I hope I hear an answer machine. I know I'm not cutting and this the, out of the episode. And, and, and one of the old ones with the tape, with the, with the little cassette in there. <laughs> it's got two. Two, it has one for the message and the other one for recording. You remember those? <laughs> oh, you've reached the Richter. Well, first of all, this, this is... First of all, this isn't my house. This is my parents' house, and they're old, so they can have a they can have a home phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I in my apartment do not have a landline, so there. Oh God. I think it's I done. So you so uh, you can you can continue with your discussion of the kung fu. <laughs> Well, you can just look it up on the Google. Just say, like, you know, you're you're not going to be as good as Alex your first day. You you know, you'll you'll be as good as Alex your third or fourth day, and then you become a C for one the seventh if you're a genius like him. That's right. That's right. And on the eighth day, he rested. Cut yourself some slack, folks. You you know, it takes a while to get good at shit. And when when if I ever get good at something, I'll let you know how long it takes. Fantastic. Um, you know what? I actually, while we were discussing, I, I, I put another subtopic for us to talk about, which we've talked about in the other um, the other forms, but I, I didn't write it originally for tonight, but it's a pretty quick quick one to answer. Um, is your BG form broken down in any kind of sets or sections or anything like that? All right. So the other two forms are broken down into easily three different sections with each section having a lesson. At least the way I do it and learned it, our BG form is not that way. I refuse, uh, the way we learn Bugi, yeah, there's kind of like sections. There's like, you know, a section that kind of deals with uh, short range power. And the third third section kind of deals with um, churn, churn, Q, churn Q power, like, you know, long range. But if you... I love that churn Q power. It's so tasty. That's a great title for your third book. <laughs> churn Q power. No, Come that's power. so tasty. <laughs> It's so tasty. The secrets of Chang Q power and Kung Pao chicken. I, um, That's awesome. I just, I, I, the way I look at uh, Buji and the way I've learned Buji, it's, it's kind of like just um, one lesson after another, almost as if like it's just being built as it's going along. I, uh, I, I don't know it to be broken down into certain sections. There's general ideas, almost as if like there was a, 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 a thought trend in certain areas, but not, not so cleanly broken up as the first two forms. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, one, 100%, uh, this, the same situation, whereas like we have divisions for Siunam Tao, either three or eight, and divisions for Chum Q, like three or four, whatever. Um, Buji, nobody, like by the time you learn Buji, nobody's like, whatever, you have like the first part with the elbows and then a bunch of other stuff after that. Like <laughs> there, there, doesn't, there doesn't seem to be like a, a clear um, right. breakdown. It also kind of makes sense because the the first two forms are clearly extremely, they're, they're the engineered operating system of our style. So it makes sense that they would be kind of broken down into very solidified sections of lessons and topics or themes or whatever. Whereas Buji tends to kind of be a bit of a gap filler, like for various problems mm-hmm. we've had. So exactly. it's not necessarily... It's not necessarily a form that was constructed to be a ex- this or whatever, you know. So I, I think it's interesting. Um, yeah, we, we don't really break it down into sections or whatever. I just teach it in, you know, in little parts as the student can can pick it up or whatever. The obviously the first part we have the different elbows um, in the WT system. We have uh, we actually have four different elbows in the BUG form. Um, at the beginning, we have three distinct elbows. The first one is what we call kapzang. Kapzang is the overhead vertical elbow, uh, sometimes known as the cover elbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, actually, the, the Chinese term means to cover, but we normally just call it the vertical elbow. The um, the second one is the diagonal elbow, diagonal slashing elbow. This one is called guaizang. Guaizang means kneeling elbow, right? Uh, and then the third one, which comes across horizontally, uh, is called paizang. Paizang, the same like in uh, chumkyu, mm-hmm. right? So it's just a slightly different form. And those are the three different elbows we have. Now, um, 
What's interesting about that is the old Lang Ting form basically only used the cup jang, the overhead elbow. Um, it, you just did 12 repetitions of it because you do, mm -hmm. you know, you do like six times and then you do the whole thing, right? Um, but eventually, uh, Sifu Lang Ting uh, changed it in, so that he had three unique elbows. Again, the number three again, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like the three kicks and stuff like that. Now, he, he based this uh, on the applications that he learned from Grandmaster Yip Man that uh, Grandmaster Yitman would, would teach various elbow strikes in, in the context of Chisau or whatever, but they weren't necessarily exactly represented in the form. Right. So what Lang Ting did, at least what I have surmised, is that he took those those things that we would apply in Chisau and apply in fighting and then put them in Buji to make three distinct elbows. So we have uh, Cup Guai Pai, which is 6-4-2. We have six of the Cup Tang, four of the Guai Tang, and two of the Pai Tang. Um, after that, we have, you know, the Scissors Gansau and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's one set that uh, Sifu Langting added uh, to the Buji form. He added it in, in the year 2000. Now, this is really interesting, Sean. Um, you know that before uh, Grandmaster Yip Man came to Hong Kong, he actually had a few students in Fatsan that he taught, uh, namely like uh, Guok Fu and Lung Gai um, and, you know, a couple other people. But mm -hmm. in those days, because he was generally pretty well off he didn't really need to teach for money he just kind of taught for fun or basically let's say to preserve his own practice right, right. um because as many people know uh you know one of the best ways to keep your own practice up is actually to teach so um he had a few students in in the fatsan era which is basically before 1949 before his time in hong kong um and when uh, Sifu Langting was researching the book Roots of Wing Chun, which was like in the 90s, he went to Fatsan to meet with these original students of Grandmaster Yip Man and compare what Grandmaster Yip Man taught them to what he taught later in the Hong Kong right. period. And as we know, during the Hong Kong period, Grandmaster Yip Man changed things. Like he changed the wooden dummy from 108 to 116. He changed the choreography in different forms and things like that. Mm -hmm. he, changed, he changed the hell out of the knife form, I'll tell you that much. Um, so it would be curious then to, to look and see what these guys in Fatsan did, right? So um, when, when Sifu Lang Ting went to Fatsan and he looked at the Buji form, he noticed that it was more or less the same. But there was one set that they both kept doing that was not present in any of the Hong Kong era Wing Chun students. So hmm. not just I learned, not just I learned Ting had not learned it, but you know, Leung Sung didn't do it, Wong Sung Leung didn't do it, Ho right, right, right. none of those guys, right? And it was interesting because it it was it was known and had a fanciful name as the Five Thunder Punches, right? Which is okay. uh, very with a very fanciful name. But it's also interesting if you look at it in terms of the choreography, because after we do the elbow series in our Buji, we have the, the, the scissors ganza, which we do on both sides, right? Scissors ganza on the throw cut, scissors ganza on the throw cut, and then we go back, right? In the right. old days, after the scissors ganza, we did that, that dong faxo, that side faxo set that, that the people have in the Buji forms. In the original Fatsan version, after the scissors ganza version, they had a version where they did kwansao three times. And after they did the Kwan Sao three times, they had these so-called five thunder punches, which is gum cell punch, uh, double punch, and then, and then a, a, another double punch. So it's a series of five punches done in one. And it's interesting because the, the, the complementary technique to Scissors Gan is Kwan Sao. Scissors Gan being a, a double attacking movement mm -hmm. and Kwan Sao being a double defending movement. And they often follow each other in the wooden dummy sets where you have right. Scissors Gan followed by Kwan Sao, right? So in, in this old Buji that they taught, they had the Scissors Gan set and then followed by was a Kwan Sao set 
which actually makes a lot of sense. And then yeah, it had these kind of yeah. these, these kind of cool, funky five punches, right? Well, Siva Lang Tang looked at this and he's like, he's like, I never saw this set before. And then he discussed with them, but he knew about the applications to it, but he the set he had never seen before. He sure. just knew how to use the movements in practice, right? So in 2000, he re um, he re-added it to the Buji form. So so that meant that the, all the high-level Wing Chun people in his association in 2000 had to actually add a set to the form based on what he saw Yip Man's original students do. So um, we actually have that additional set. So if you were to see my Buji form, besides obviously the, some of the turning and some of the positions being different and maybe mm -hmm. the order of one or two sets might be different, but you would actually see an entire set that, that doesn't exist anywhere else. And that's particularly the, the Five Thunder Punch set. Um, that's cool. Now, can I go teach that? You can totally go teach that because I didn't even show. Well, I kind of, I kind of did some of the movements here, so you could play back the video. <laughs> but you'd, you'd be, you'd be more qualified to teach it than some people who've walked into my school trying to take stuff from me. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so, so, so uh, in addition to that, in our, uh, in our Buji form, we also have a hook punch, which not all the lineages have. After the Kam Masa, we actually have a straight up hook punch. Uh, mm -hmm. and, um, and then we have uh, the downward elbow. I was talking about the four elbows or the three elbows that come at the beginning. At the very end, after the hook punch, we actually have the downward elbow. Oh. Um, so there's four unique elbows. I, I mean, of course, if you don't count the, the, the hao zhang, that we, every time we bring right. our hands back, that's also an elbow strike. But if we're, if we're not counting that guy, uh, then we have four unique elbows in the, uh, in the buji form. And, and that's it. But really no sets or anything like that. Yeah, you know, in, um, in Muyat Wing Chun, the, uh, one of the first lessons, one of the first things that I learned differently, I learned differently, one of the first things I learned that was different than the rest of the form, the rest of the system, was that was where I was really introduced to the uh, Hyunma, so mm -hmm. the circling step, you know, like, so when yes. we open up, um, when we open up the forms, first form and second form, and people are looking on YouTube can see what I'm doing with my hands, you know, you kind of go here, boom, and to take your stance, Right in in Buji, you would circle and then okay. So that's another thing we do that's a little bit different than I've seen. Some people have Hyunma, and some people you know we do like one leg goes circles, it circles in, and the other one comes here and straight back. A lot of the you know I guess my C box have been doing that, and um, I don't think Moyat standardized it. It was kind of like mm -hmm. he was fine with it if he did that. You know, I think he initially taught it as both legs being like Hyunma, just circling. Uh -huh. But um, a lot of my C-Box um, do straight back. Some people, some do straight back on both sides. Some do a circle and then straight back. And uh, I like it. And uh, that's how my Sifu has me doing it. And um, and it, it's it's great for, for many things, changing angles and you know tro throws and trips and things to that effect mm -hmm. uh... yeah you guys also use that as a sweep as well yeah 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 so i think that's how we we do it as well yeah now do you do you do the straight back or do you do a circle when i say straight uh, back, we do I mean, a circle you know like so like one one leg comes like literally circles into position the other leg comes out mm -hmm. and then sweeps straight back like like one side of a triangle Right, right, right. Yeah, I know what you mean. In in, in our BUG, we do, um, you know, basically after you do the elbow and then you do the, mm -hmm. the view right. and the satsa, then we do we do three circles. I think you guys do two, right? Correct. Yeah, so we do three, but the first one is a little bit different for those people who can mm -hmm. see my hands here, my sexy fingers, right? 
Um, the first one because sexy you're, fingers. You're Peter... That's what you can call the third book. <laughs> that's perfect. That totally doesn't sexy believe fingers. in belong in the adult section. <laughs> sexy <laughs> fingers, the third form of Wing Chun, right? <laughs> so after we do the the the, el the various elbow strikes and then and then the Biu and the Sat, our feet are together for working on the timing, and then from there. The first one is not the same. The first one we circle forward and that kind of brings us back to the frontal stance. Mm -hmm. So that one is a little bit different. The the second and third, we actually circle behind and do the full circle like that. And that would be like for the sweep. The first one is is kind of what I, I call like a barn door step or a saloon step where you just kind of go like this. And this is when we're kind of falling back and recovering. It's one of the steps we use to throw. But the, the last two circle steps are a little bit different. As far as the cutting straight back step, right. we, we actually we do that in our normal footwork. So when the when the students are beginners and they're standing in the stance and they advance into the arrow step, um, when they bring the front foot, the, the unweighted leg back, they cut straight back and then go here as well. So oh, we okay. actually have that that cutting step. We just we don't do it in the beauty, but we do it like in the regular advancing and retreating footwork. Sure, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, the, the other thing that I want to talk about after the, the sets, we, we talked a little bit about it, like emergency situations, so on and so forth. What is the, the actual usage of Buji in the system, which we kind of touched already a little bit uh, in, in the opening part. But um, in terms of the system, okay, as a fighting system, so where does the Buji really fit in for you? Okay, so I mentioned it a little bit before. Um, it's I, I emphasize returning or recovering. That, that that's the emphasis on Buji, that um, like like again first form you may learn center line second form you learn how to move center line properly with with, with good structure and third third form is if you lose control of center line safe ways of getting back to it safe and quick ways of getting back to it the other thing that I find with the third form and you know if you may disagree with me it's fine you can yell and scream and throw shit at me. Um, it kind of like gives you permission to break the rules of Wing Chun a little bit when you're in an emergency. And, you know, I know this, I've said this before to people and it kind of upsets some Wing Chun people. So like, you know, in Wing Chun, we don't chase hands, but you know, the Bu Sao section that I, if you're getting overwhelmed with shit and you're throwing stuff out just to recover center line, you have to, you change it. It's, it's almost like you're chasing hands there. Because you're, you're, you're trying to recover that center and you're trying to just get shit from hitting you away from, you're kind of re trying to recreate that triangle in front of you. And there's other things in the form that when you do it, it's kind of breaking the rules of Wing Chun a little bit. And it helps you, kind of gives you the permission to break those rules and then get back to proper structure again. You know, it, no, at no time in a fight should you be bending over with your hands over your head. This is not, not very Wing Chun, but if you find yourself there, it's going to teach you how to recover and give you space. And in the way you have to recover and give you space is not very Wing Chun-ish. You know, at least, you know, how we learned it. This opening up like this is just not very Wing Chun-ish. But it gives you a chance to do it, break the rules of Wing Chun, and then get back to center. So I think I look at, at Buji that way. It's like, okay, listen, we know that these are the rules. But you may have to break these rules once in a while, and here's how, and then get back. And that's how right, I look right. at the form a little bit. Yeah, sure. Actually, I have a very similar take. I think um, uh, what's also great about Buji, uh, like you said, it's like it, you have a chance to kind of move your body in ways that you've been told not to do previously exactly. in, in, the, in, in the lower levels, which is also great. Just even from a 
a movement and like a kind of a physical fitness perspective, it's great mm -hmm. to actually have an increased movement vocabulary. Um, one of the things uh, in, in the Buji form as we teach it, um, and, and, you know, usage wise, I basically already answered that question usage for us. It's either rapid resolution or, right. or dealing with a compromised uh, situation or position. And that's essentially it. And, and so you need to have a strong foundation for any of those things to kind of make sense. Um, one of the things that Buji does movement wise is if you imagine like, um, for us, we say like in, when you learn the Siunam tail form, it's like you wear, you're wearing a corset, you know, around your midsection, right? So you have a very, you have a very whoa, upright whoa, whoa. posture. You're only supposed to wear that when you're doing the form? I've been wearing right. it for years now. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, you have, a, you have a kind of an upright posture when you're doing the first form, and then you essentially keep that posture while you're doing the second form, the chum cue, right. right? But then when you learn Buji, you can take that thing off. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then suddenly your, your midsection can move because, for example, to, to be able to get the elbow tip to the center, you actually have to rotate your thoracic spine, the middle part of your spine. And in, in standard Wing Chun, actually your T-spine doesn't have much rotation because it moves with your hips and the rest of your body. Mm -hmm. But in Buji, you have this awesome spinal rotation which helps to engage the hips and helps you to move in a, in a lot freer way uh, than, than in the previous form. So it's really great for, for movement-wise to kind of, kind of take that off. Um, and power-wise, I suppose one of the reasons why Buji is mystified, which was kind of the last thing we were going to talk about, um, is because there, there are certain methods, at least in the WT system, for uh, not, not just these beautiful things of rapid resolution and getting out of compromised positions, but um, there are certain movements in Buji like spinal rotation and then also this extreme focus on, on, on tendon strength. So one of the reasons why we do the, the Sambaiji movement uh, at the beginning where you're kind of flicking your fingers in different directions mm -hmm. or whatever, we're very hardcore about keeping the fingers together so that the tendons stay absolutely straight and they pull while you're going from side to side so that you, you are strengthening the tendons through the wrist and the forearm, which will help you to increase uh, throwing and, 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 and launching force. So, uh, uh, which brings us to one of the ideas in, in Buji. If you imagine that the lower level students, they kind of learn to push the punch a little bit, like with the elbow, right? Like right. pushing into the wall back. And this is not the highest way of punching in Wing Chun, but it's kind of a start because you, they have to develop the, the elbow power and things like that. As we get into the Buji levels, we, we want to transition our punch into more of a throw. And in order to throw your arm, uh, which is the most efficient way to generate power without hurting your arm, you need to have requisite tendon strength. So the, the foundation has been laid in the first two forms, but then it's it's kind of done in a much more extreme way in Buji in terms of making the, the tendons extremely strong and tensile. And unfortunately, tendons on like muscles, they, they develop a lot slower. So <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a, a tendon strength is, is the deciding factor in, in, in human performance, but they don't develop, I think they develop at a rate, um, and don't quote me on this, because I, I think it's like four times slower than muscles uh, development. So it, it really takes, and there's only two, two types of training that actually stimulate the tendons. Uh, mm -hmm. one is isometric and the other one is high speed. Like for example, throwing something at really high speed and then coming to an abrupt stop, like an isometric hold, that's mm -hmm. actually the best way to, to hit the tendons. And that's a, a, a really fast way to increase, uh, punching and muscle power, uh, is to increase the, the power of the tendons that transfer that. 
And you see a lot of these things in, in the beauty form, what high-end trainers now are starting to understand about how tendons are uh, developed. You actually see these things in the traditional forms. So um, that's, that's part of it too. And then developing what we call turnkey, fat leg or long bridge force is also part of that as well. So um, I perha perhaps certain usages and also the development of certain types of power in Buji is one of the reasons why it's been um, mystified. So wow. that's all I got to say about that. That's it. That's awesome. Those some good information tonight, bro. Would, yeah, you know, so remember this this podcast will self-destruct. <laughs> <laughs> this was a good podcast. I really enjoyed this a lot. I actually learned a lot from you. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Good. Yeah, I learned a lot from you too. It was really great to talk about this. Like we've told the audience before, but they probably don't really realize it. I mean, this is really the first time we've had these conversations in depth about these topics because we we generally don't go there. We generally talk, you know, a little bit more general about martial arts and we don't yeah. go into the nitty-gritty of things. So and I think that's how you and I became really good friends. We, we didn't pump each other for information. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Although, although I was very interested in that Moyat Longpole book, I'll tell you that much. I was like, that was really cool. <laughs> Did I ever get so you? So awesome. Did I ever get you? That? Didn't. No, Did you not? didn't. Oh, I got to work no. on that. Sorry. Yes. No, no problem. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm trying. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, just real quick before we uh, before we end it here, I uh, want to remind all you guys to like us on Facebook, the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page, if you have not done so already. Uh, when you like us, go ahead and share the page. Let everybody know that you are into the Dudes of Kung Fu. Um, also, if you guys could write reviews on iTunes, those are very helpful to get the word out there. We surpassed 18,000 downloads, which is really great, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. We really want people to know about this podcast. I think it's getting better and more smoother as we go, go along and the topic's more and more interesting. So let people know that you like it. We're also on Twitter. Uh, there's a Dudes of Kung Fu Twitter. You can follow all, every time a new episode comes up, we, we try to update that as well. Um, and for those of you who don't listen to this on iTunes or you listen to it on YouTube or whatever, it's also available, I think, for Android. It's at, it's at Podbean. Yeah. It's at basically anywhere, anywhere fine podcasts are found, you can find us. So please don't forget to plug it, like it, use social media to get the word out there, and we really appreciate it. As always, if you guys have any ideas about episodes, or things you want us to talk about, let us know. Send us a message at Dudes of Kung Fu uh, uh, Facebook page, and, and one of us will answer it, hopefully, at some point, sometime in the near future. We uh, try. Also, for those of you who are interested, yeah, for those of you who are interested in my exploits, uh, you can go to sifualexrichter.com and follow all my nonsense there. Go to SoundCloud, listen to the Kung Fu Genius song and uh, if you guys are of course interested in training with uh, either myself or sean you can get more information through uh the dudes of kung fu pages so that's it for today hey right, sean folks, this was a lot of fun thank you next week in mukyang jong so get your wood get your wood ready babe <laughs> <laughs> all right guys take care bye bye